Heavenly Father, we do praise you for the sun streaming through the window in this epiphany season. And as we look at how you created the world through your son, Jesus, so you remember his baptism today, please would your light shine in our hearts as we look on his face. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. What's the first thought you can remember? Conversation in our household, quite often around the dinner table, is what each of our kids' first words were. How you enjoy that, don't you, when we talk about it. Uh, One of my earliest memories was, for I do not know why, maybe you could psychoanalyse me, looking down at my feet while I was in a car seat. I was about two or something. The thing is, I can remember deciding, I'm going to remember this when I was two. And why? Why couldn't I remember something else more weighty? I don't know. But maybe you've got a first thought. You're like, yeah, I, I definitely had that thought, however young I was. Well, here's two famous first thoughts. I'm not going to say it in an American accent. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. You know what that one is? Anyone? Very good. Stephen say behind me, very good. Okay, this one I, get, I pretty much guarantee no one knows what this first thought is. The empty set exists. That's a first thought, apparently. That is fundamental, an axiom in set theory. Uh, Wikipedia is brilliant. <laughs> I had no idea about that until I prepared for that. So there we go, there's another first thought. And the point about this is you don't argue for it, you discover it by thinking things that come after it. You can't justify having that as your first thought. You just have it, and then a lot of other stuff makes sense because you've had it. This stuff is how we begin whatever we're discussing or believing. And Genesis is that sort of book. Jesus, through Moses, has given us our ways of beginning as we learn to see the world as it really is. Over these next few weeks, we're going to discover how the Bible reframes our reality with Jesus as our first thought. And all of us need this, however long we've been a Christian. All of us attempted to begin with other first thoughts. And that's where our difficulties come down the line, where Jesus says something or church means something for us that we don't like. And then we resist or try and say, oh, it doesn't really say that. We all naturally begin somewhere other than Jesus. Huge issue for the last 200 years or so in this country is actually described in the Bible long before it became mainstream in the UK. If you've got a Bible, you can turn to it if you like. It's the second letter of Peter, very near the end. Chapter 3, verse 4. Jesus' friend Peter tells us how... People have wandered from Jesus as the first thought. He describes people who mock the truth and follow their own desires. That sound like anyone in public life in recent years. There are two reasons that they mock the truth and follow their own desires. So you can follow. This is uh, verse four. 
They will say, what happened to the promise that Jesus is coming again? From before the times of our ancestors, everything has remained the same since the world was first created. Here's the next bit, key bit. They deliberately forget that God made the heavens long ago by the word of his command and he brought the earth out from the water and surrounded it with waters. The problem isn't loose morals or consumerism or even injustice, though all of that follows. The issue is deliberately forgetting how God made the world. And once we forget that, we start to doubt that Jesus is going to come again and sort everything out. Deliberately forgetting. One of the reasons we don't often hear from Genesis in the UK church is fear of evolution. Genesis is the embarrassing book that science has disproved. They deliberately forget. Holy Trinity, we're not going to forget. Jesus asks us to park some of our sciencey questions and to challenge our first thoughts. Where we begin shapes everything else we're doing as a church and as Jesus' disciples. Perhaps you know you're not a Christian here this morning and science or suffering has something to do with it. Well, stick with us for the next few weeks. We're going to explore what the universe looks like with Jesus as the first thought. Let's try him out. Let's see what reality looks like with Jesus as the beginning. Together we'll have how we think about everything shaped by and through him. If we add him into what we already think, that's not going to get us anywhere. Or if we leave him to one side as we charge off to change the world, we're just going to wear ourselves out. But we can be changed by him as he teaches us how to think and how to see That's actually the beginning of eternal life with him and in him. So verse one of the whole Bible. Jesus is the Trinity's foundation for everything. Jesus is the Trinity's foundation for everything. Little quiz for you. It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. Anyone know what that's the first line of? Incorrect, Terry, I'm sorry. Oh, there we go. Stephen gets it again, right? Who's the better warden? No, 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 no. None of that. Okay. Uh, Another Dickens one, just to help live it. Marley was dead to begin with. Well done. Someone said that. Well done. Fantastic. It is a truth universally acknowledged that a single man in possession of a large fortune must be in want of a wife. Oh, Stephen's straight there. Fantastic. I think we should let someone else have a go, Stephen. You know it all. Okay, this is just three words. Call me Ishmael. You must maybe Dick, well done, Pips. Captain Ahab and the White Whale. Well, those are very famous openings. This opening is better. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. This is so explosive to human thoughts about reality. At the moment, there's a lot of rivals to it. There's a few stories that are doing the rounds right now that are seriously being considered 
by those particularly who believe in evolution as an alternative to this. Elon Musk, not necessarily saying you should listen to him, but he and a bunch of his Silicon Valley mates believe in their simulation hypothesis. Have you heard of this? The idea is, all this that we're living in now is actually a computer game that we're plugged into. None of it's real. <laughs> of course, it's not surprising that blokes in their 40s who spent too long playing computers think it's a computer game, is it? You know? But anyway, that is a genuine thing that Silicon Valley people think. So we can't know anything about what's really going on because there's robots or aliens or something prodding our brains all the time, and it's virtual reality. Uh, another thing also involving aliens uh, is directed panspermia. Have you heard of this? So uh, there were incredibly advanced aliens again from up there who seeded life. That's where the spermia thing comes from, all over different planets. So in the primordial soup, there was like an, a bacterium injected. The reason for this is because even if you believe in evolution, the idea that you can actually just get life out of, you know, rocks, doesn't, it's stupid, really. It's completely crazy. So uh, some people have come up with aliens. That's the next thing. Or there's endless permutations on death as the most profound thing that happens, and out of death, some kind of life. That's really all macroevolution is. It's like lots of things dying somehow brings lots of big life and wonders and that kind of stuff. This is just like a version of the Babylonian, Greek and Egyptian creation stories. That For them, violence and death are foundational. It starts with some sort of saviour god killing some other god and then making the world out of the dead bits. That, that's, that's basically all that was available at the time that Moses was writing. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth has always been a rival to the human ideas about everything really started. And you see it, believe it or not, in the first word. In beginning, that's what it literally says, which is one word in Hebrew, Bereshit, or NRK in Greek. It's easy to miss this as if it's just talking about a time thing. It's like, oh, when everything got going, but saying the beginning was when everything began, it's like, okay, thanks for that. <laughs> that's, just, that's not really saying anything, is it? Um, all the other myths that we come up with, as you've heard, are much more concerned with where. So what, did it start up there with some aliens? Or did it start with this God thing? You know, that's where everything is. What's the event or the context rather than just when it happened? Another of Jesus' friends, the Apostle John, actually does a Bible study that you will have heard over the last few weeks on these verses. The beginning of his gospel, that we're used to hearing at Christmas, in the beginning, same word, N-R-K, was the word. And Paul says the same thing in case we didn't get it. Colossians chapter 1 verse 18, talking about Jesus, he is the beginning, R-K. And if we're, we're getting freaked out by the Greek thing, it's actually in our language to help us understand that we're, what kind of beginning we're talking about. So archaeology, that's the study of what was at the very beginning of time. Archangel, the first, the highest angel. Archetype, the thing that everything else is built from. Even just an arch, the thing that holds up that thing up there, that there's an arch there. And it holds up because there's a stone in the right place, doesn't it? Thank God for Caroline and Daphne. You know, you want that to hold up, don't you? 
The thing that the first word of the Bible is telling us is that Jesus is the reason there's anything at all. He is the possibility, the context, the first principle that means we can exist, can see, can talk, can feel and think. Moses teaches us in the very opening words of the Bible, there is no thought which can be a true thought without reference to Jesus. Creation didn't spring from some primeval super god spitting. That's the Egyptian myth or one of them. Or from killing some even bigger god and making everything out of bits of it. That's the Babylonian one. The father decided to frame and build his universe through and in his son by the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus is the Trinity's foundation for everything. Next four verses, the whole Bible. Jesus is the light who destroys darkness. Jesus is the the light who destroys darkness. Over this month, as a whole church, if you want to join in, we're going to be reading through the whole of Genesis. It's about two chapters a day if you start now. Because there's been so much controversy about these first two chapters, it's astonishing how many miss something in the opening lines. It's one reason why I want us to read this book together as a church. There is something before the first day. And it sounds terrible. Let's read it, verse 2. The earth was formless and empty, and darkness covered the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. A good bit about this is immediately we discover God is not some single blob thing. Whenever we see the word God in the whole Bible, or most occasions, we're dealing with Elohim, which is a plural Hebrew word, more than one, but described as united, as one. The Spirit of God showing up, second verse of the Bible, shows us why. This God is one, united in everything he does, but he's not alone, he's not lonely, he's not single. We've already thought about how God doing the creating, the Father, does so in the arche, the one he appoints as the foundation of everything. And now we read of the Holy Spirit who empowers and enables that creating work. That's the good bit. But look at the world as it's first created. Formless, empty, dark, deep. That word deep is the word we get abyss from. It's the place where the demons want to go or don't want to go in the Gospels, even though they end up there. The bottomless pit, nothingness, disorder, chaos. Reading ahead a bit, darkness is there from the very start, but it's never called good. And now we go back to our kind of pop knowledge of Genesis and think, well, wasn't everything perfect in the beginning? Isn't the bad stuff only there in chapter three when Eve does the stuff with the fruit? Well, not according to the Bible. The way this triune God creates is to immediately show us what this reality that he's creating is like without him. It has no form. Everything's constantly becoming what it isn't. You can't tie anything down. There's no definition. Up is down. You can't see clearly. You can't stand anywhere. 
There's a deep, gnawing emptiness. Before anything can start to mean anything, it's torn down by chaos. Before anything starts to become clear, it's swallowed up by darkness. There's one other place in the Bible where formless and empty appear. Jeremiah 4, verse 23. That's it. There's actually several places, but this is the one we're going to look at. You can turn to it if you want. Jeremiah chapter 4, verse 23. Prophets looking out at how the church has become after decades of hating God, making up their own religion and doing whatever their deceitful desires decide. And he looks out and it's as if creation has been unmade. Everything has gone back to Genesis chapter 1, verse 2. This is Jeremiah 4, verse 23. I looked at the earth and it was formless and empty. I looked at the heavens and there was no light. I looked at the mountain and hills and they trembled and shook. When people talk about inner demons, mental chaos, emptiness, hopelessness. They're talking about the waves of the abyss lapping at their souls. Before the one in whom and for whom everything exists is revealed, the Father shows us what this world is like without him. In order to properly reveal who Jesus is, the Trinity create the world just for a brief moment without his influence and power and goodness. And thank God, I hope it was like a millisecond, really, because we can't cope with a world like that, can we? Here comes the gospel, verse three, prefigured by the spirit hovering unseen over the chaos. We've seen how awful life separate from Jesus is. But as soon as we understand that, the spirit's power joined with the father in declaring the father's word, the Lord Jesus, to be light. God's gospel, uh, John's gospel and his letters taught this way again and again. The light we experience now streaming through the windows from those not quite so good lights up there. It always comes from something when we look at it. We'll come to that way of light shining in day four. But this first day, the first time light defeats darkness, evening becomes morning. It reveals the way that Jesus is the logic, the pattern, the meaning, the light, the hope, the foundation of everything. This first day of creation shows that all other created light borrows its light from him. Everything we experience of light now, exposing what's wrong, lifting our spirits when night terrifies us. Have you ever seen a sunrise? Enabling us to enjoy beauty and navigate clearly even, just for the physicist, John, I'm just looking slightly to my left, light being like the speed limit of the universe. You know, nothing really can travel faster than it. Being the centre of the relationship between energy and mass, there's a bit of relativity for you Sunday morning. All of that that we observe is like an afterglow of this first moment. The fundamental reality at the heart of everything is Jesus bringing light and life by the Spirit to everything. Before there's any form or fullness, Jesus is shining. And we know, we've read ahead, Genesis 3, almost the first things humans do, 
is let back in all that chaos and darkness. But Jesus, the light of the world, means that the deepest confusion we feel about 2023, our own lives, our inner lives, doesn't need to be forever and doesn't need to define us. Genesis shows us at the foundation point of all reality that Father, Son and Spirit are constantly working together to banish darkness and bring light. There's a little thing I want to draw attention to as you come to the end. It says here that this is the first day. That's one way of reading it. Later it is the second, third, fourth, fifth. But both Hebrew and Greek, it's more like one day. This first one sets the pattern for all the others. This is what a day is. Things aren't as they should be. And Jesus sorts it out. Darkness, then light. Evening, then morning. Chaos, then beautiful harmony. We desperately need Jesus as our first thought. Otherwise, we just end up in an endless cycle. Or worse, a descent into things getting darker. Only Jesus guarantees that light and life will win. Jesus is the Trinity's foundation for everything. Jesus is the light who destroys darkness. Let's pray.